things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. What's up, fam? Welcome to episode 34 of I Cry in Corners. I have missed you so much. Yep, we are in season four, uh, continuing season four. Uh, This has been a real different season um, than anything we've done before as the last three seasons. um, Well, because this season we kind of divided it into two seasons. Uh, I did it for a number of reasons for you guys that are just uh, tuning in for the very first time. Hello. For those that have been waiting for uh, podcasts, my bad. Uh, (laughs) Really, guys, the last couple of weeks have been crazy. Um, Okay, so what happened was is I released a book. And um, so I released this book and um, I did the first three episodes of season four to talk about the book. Um, It's been an incredible experience. Um, It's called Nomad. uh, Well, what is it? I don't even know what it's called. It's so early in the morning. Nomad, a guide to wilderness seasons. And um, it's been it's been an incredible experience. I'm so unbelievably floored by all the support and everyone that's bought it and everyone that's posting about it. It's, and it's done really well. It like sold out like on all the online stores, like the first day. And it's been, it's been kind of bizarre experience, but (sighs) asthma issues. Anyway. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So like I had to take a minute to do that. So, uh, I also needed to launch, uh, the book and the brand new website, icryingcorners.com. And I had to get a hold of my new position at work. I'm in a new, more global, geared creative position which has been unbelievable and awesome and I have a new team um and it's just I've had a lot to navigate guys in the last couple weeks and if I could be honest I just needed a break and by break I needed to do only two of the 10 things I'm usually chipping away at so either way thank you for waiting thank you for coming back and jumping into the season I'm super stoked but for those who are brand new things you should know one it's really early in the morning um, so I'm going to be drinking coffee through this whole thing. I don't normally sound like a, you know, old Jewish lady from New Jersey who smokes cigarettes and drinks Diet Coke, but right now, I don't know what's going on with my voice right now. I think it's just because it's really early and, uh, my asthma just kicked in about 20 minutes ago and I don't know why. So anyways, um, okay. Season one recaps. Season one was the why behind I Crying Corners. We defined I Crying Corners as a leadership principle. It's not something we do because... Um, we have feelings. No, we have feelings, but they don't have us. And uh, I based it off uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So if you're new to the podcast, go back, watch season one, um, or listen to season one. Season two is the how, like how to do high crying corners. If you're not self-aware, you'll become a hoarder of feelings and moments, and then uh, those moments will become your identity. Season two gave us the essentials for the corner. I'm going to um, pause real quick. And go get my inhaler because this is starting to get ridiculous and um I, I don't want to sound like Darth Vader for the next 20 minutes. Please hold. Okay, I'm back. I feel better. Okay. Where were we? Oh yeah, recaps. Season two is the how okay, yeah, what did we say? Uh season one is the why behind crank why crank corners. Season two is how to do like crank corners. Season three are the hiccups we encounter in the corners of life. I pretty much called it the things that are not a thing. Pretty much I talked about things that are not kingdom uh, and how to focus on the kingdom. But now we're in season four. 
we started the season with the wise behind the book as I truly, um, to be honest with you, it's the book is my life message. It's my heart's desire for all of us to be gangsters of the wilderness. And that's why I actually do the podcast. And in the podcast, I call our rough seasons corners, but in the book, I just refer to it as wildernesses. So like you guys that have been with me for a while who have heard the message, have read the book, you can see the parallels between the two, but my heart's cry for those, hmm, my heart cry for those who are walking this Jesus journey out with me, um, or that you get really good at navigating these corners of life. And since last season, I talked about the things that aren't really a thing. I really feel like, um, we should continue that on, uh, with the things that are a thing. So today we're going to talk about things that are actually a thing, a kingdom principle that if we bypass, um, that, Oh, man, we don't just bypass it. We water this joker down. It's a kingdom principle that is important, uh, that Jesus uh, came to be and do, and he nailed. And, and so if uh, you can take notes, if you can uh, silence whatever is going around around you, because I really need you to get this. The world around you really needs you to get this. Um, this is our job is to um, be love. So today we're talking the greatest thing, the greatest thing that is a thing. Today we're talking about love and loving people. And so if you've ever noticed, if you've ever noticed, don't, have you ever noticed that everyone and their mother says that they love everything? Like if you appreciate anything in the world, we attach the word love to it. I love my pillow. I love my Apple products. I love sleep. (laughs) I love the jeans that are high-waisted that have several buttons as they hold me together. But that's not love. (laughs) because I knew we'd be talking about love. I've been doing word studies and, um, one, one, because I'm a nerd, but two, because I just really wanted to learn about what love actually means in, you know, different languages and things. So uh, first I went to the Greek and in the Greek, the word is defined in three different levels. Like you can love someone in three different ways. Uh, er, er, okay, just, I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce all of these jokers. Okay. So, uh, eros, uh, which is like the sexy erotic kind of love. Yeah, weird. Um, filio, which is like a fr- like friend zone, friendship, relationships kind of love. Agape, which is an unconditional kind of love. And if you've been in the Christian world at all, you've heard agape. Um, but then I went to the Hebrew. Like I learned about the Greek, and then I started learning about Hebrew. I'm kind of fascinated with the Hebrew language um, for a number of reasons. One, because they don't have words for everything. Um, some words have different meanings and where the Greek gives you the levels of love. In Hebrew, it's not like how to love. It's not like levels of how to love. Instead, they give you like different ways to love through their words. And and also in the Hebrew, words are usually attached to an action. So as I started to study love and learning the different levels of love, I realized that when um, like first century Jews are talking about love, they're talking about love with an action. Okay, I'll explain this. Um, Hebrew words. Okay, so what's a Hebrew word I can give you? Okay, have you ever heard of the word Shema? It's the Hebrew word for hear. And um, when they say, hey, uh, like you heard something, it's not like, hey, yeah, I heard it. Um, it's more like I heard it and I did it. Um, it puts action to whatever you hear. So if in the Bible, they use the word um, like you, like God was speaking or uh, you heard God and it's attached to the word Shema, that would mean that uh, God didn't just expect you to hear it. He, erec- he expected you to actually do it. And so action is attached. I'm kind of obsessed with how Hebrew language works right now. But um, in a nutshell, when the word Shema shows up in the Bible, it's attached to a doing. 
And so when I started to study the word love, I already knew that. And I started to think through how when um, the Hebrews talk about love, they talk about it in a way that puts it into action, which makes me obsessed with it. So the point is, is that I'm studying love is pretty much to prove to myself and to you that love is vast and we water it down. And oh my gosh, the word is not meant to be thrown around like we love fruit or we love lamp. Love is what Jesus did on the cross. And so like in the Hebrew, it has like, a, I can't pronounce them to save my life. I'm so embarrassed. But the, the different versions of it mean um, like tender mercies or like how you love your spouse or a brotherly love or friendship, kind of like the Greek, but it's in the manner and in the action in which you do it, which is really cool. So pretty much I studied all that just to tell you that Jesus did it on the cross and that's how we should, that's how we should live our life in action. We don't do it just because it's um, a feeling. We do it because it's a, it's our calling. So what am I trying to say? Love is a thing. And in the kingdom, it's a major thing. The temporal has painted love as something that can fade with time or struggle or preference. But love, love in the kingdom does not fade because love in the kingdom was exemplified on a cross. There's no fading from that. But the kind of love, the love that died on a cross, the love, the kind that intercedes on our behalf, the love, the the kind that pushes our darkest failures as far as the east is from the west. Well, that kind of love is infinite. And that kind of love loved us way before we ever stepped into time. So if that's the standard for love, the kind of love that forgives, that's compassionate, that sacrifices, how can we now as followers, how can we now as imagers of Christ, how can we now as Christians walk this earth and not exemplify that kind of love? Like how? How do we not do that? That's my big pet peeve, by the way, is that I feel like most problems on staffs, most problems in life, most problems with relationships is because we really don't love people. And you're like, oh, no, I love them. It's just that they're stupid. Oh, I love them. They just don't understand me. Oh, I lo-. No, 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 because love sees past things. You know the Bible chapter that everyone and their mother reads at their weddings, the one about love? Yeah, I'm going to break that joker down today, and we're going to define love and define it and give you practicals. Um, because I want you to leave this podcast today understanding how to love and why it's important for you to love. And the truth is, the truth is if you don't know how to love hashtag Greek, uh, then you won't be able to put it into ash- uh, action, hashtag Hebrew. I need to do these later on in the day, guys, because it's really early and I haven't had my entire cup of coffee. And to be honest with you, I can't get my thoughts together. But Jesus is on the throne, so we're going to continue. Um, whole point, we're called to love and I need you to put it into action. So let's dive in. Okay. If you're following along, I'm going to read in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13 in the voice translation. Um, before everybody who's like a super theologian gets upset, calm down. I studied this joker in the NKJV, the version that has no frills and is straight to the point. But for the sake of breaking it down, and you know, there's a lot of creative people that listen to this, I'm going to read it from the voice translation, which I love. Okay. So love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't envious. It doesn't boast, brag, or strut about. There is no arrogance in love. It's never rude, crude, or indecent. It's not self-absorbed. Love is easily upset. Love doesn't tally wrongs or celebrate injustice, but truth. Yes, truth is love's delight. So let's put up with anything and everything that comes along as love trusts hopes, and endures no matter what. So before I jump into this, I just need to say love. Loving people uh, isn't set aside for those you like. 
It's for everyone. I'll just sit and wait and let you just process that one. Loving people isn't set aside for those that you like. It's for everyone. Jesus loves and died for everyone. Even the ones he didn't like too much. That's right. Um, uh, Newsflash for you guys taking notes. You can love someone and treat them with love and not actually like them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people I don't like. There's a lot of people that don't like me. And you know what? That's okay. We're not meant to be besties with everyone, but you've got to love people. God's desire for us to reflect love doesn't mean we have to be besties with everyone. It just means we have to live out love. You're like, um, Chadi, which, what do you, what do you mean you don't like people? I, I don't not not like people. I'm just an introvert and a weirdo. And, um, I have a very, very intense personality. And I know that sometimes I rub people the wrong way cause I'm self-aware. And I know sometimes people rub me the wrong way and you know what? I'm cause I'm self-aware, but it doesn't mean I sit around being like, Oh, that person, I'm gonna punch him in the face if they eat that cracker the wrong way. No, cause it's, it's about loving people. I'm not saying that. Does, does this make sense? I hope it makes sense. Point is Jesus wanted to karate chop the Pharisees on very different occasions, but he still loved them. He still went to the cross for them because Jesus understood that love was more important than liking and love is patient, right? So love knows love is patient. Let's break this joker down. I'm going to do this in pieces. Love knows how to wait patient. It doesn't get flustered because whoever you're dealing with doesn't get it. I find that when you don't like people, you don't wait for them. You don't care about them. But if you take away your your perception of liking people and you put on the filter of I'm supposed to love people, you'll wait for people and you won't get frustrated with them when they don't get what you're trying to say. Because love always uh, stops for others. Think the think of the Good Samaritan. Like love is that patient. Gets down in the muck and mire with people. And love understands walking this life out alone just means you're alone. Love that is patient knows the importance of waiting for people. I'll unpack this in a few weeks, but for now, ask yourself, when you deal with yourself, your spouse, your friends, your bosses, your teams, do you love them patiently? Do you wait for them to get it? Do you, do you, I said this in a couple seasons ago where it was like, gosh, I'm going to completely ruin my own quote, but it was about how you can't listen. You can't, you can't hear with love if you don't listen with grace and and you just got to, you got to, you got to hear people. You really got to listen to people to be able to love them. Because most of the time when you're frustrated and you don't have patience for people, it's because you're not really hearing them. You're, you're listening, but you're not, you're not, you're not really, you're not really hearing them. Because if you heard them, you'd hear their brokenness. If you heard them, you'd hear their frustration. If you heard them and you really saw them for the way Jesus saw them, you would love them and you'd be patient. Second, love is kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, which means the more you are in tune with the Holy Spirit and what He is doing, you'll find being kind even to those who don't deserve or those who have hurt you. Well, being kind will become easy. As genuine kindness isn't forced, um, sometimes you have to act kind before you can be kind. But that's why the Holy Spirit is intricate to uh, to, this, to this portion, because uh, you, you need the Holy Spirit to be able to love and be kind genuinely. So get in his presence, get in his word, and allow yourself to let him guide you towards kindness. Guide you towards kindness. You'll find that you'll like a lot more people when you learn how to love them. I remember in my 20s, I like disliked everyone. I had an issue with everyone. I know, shocker, right? And um, 
and there was a season where God really began to show me how to love people. And um, this was one of the things that he would be like, you just need to be kind. And he taught me how to be kind. And I'm still not the greatest at it, but it's important. Third one is love isn't envious. I recently watched someone I love and mentor step into what I perceived in a season as my dream job. And to be honest, never did I think, man, I really wish I would have gotten that job. No, I, I honestly fought back tears and was so freaking proud and happy for them. And I was happy and proud because love wants others to win. Others winning is always the goal. Others experiencing Jesus in and through your life is the goal. It's not for you winning, it's for others to win. And so if that is the goal, then envy doesn't even have room to invade your heart. I wrote an entire chapter on offense and how to overcome it in the book. So if you struggle with this, if you struggle with offense, if you struggle with others winning and you not being able to process when others win um, and not being able to see it as you winning as well, uh, go to Amazon and buy my book. It's in chapter eight. You're welcome. Yeah, just just win people. Just love people. Like people are your legacy. I heard someone say that like at the end of your life, what you leave behind is people. And I don't have kids, right? So <clears throat> I always look at like, what is my legacy? I don't want my legacy to be my design. I don't want my legacy to be my writing. I don't want my legacy to be whatever the podcast. I want my legacy to be the people. I want people that encounter me to find Jesus and experience Jesus and love Jesus. And so if that's my goal is for everyone else to win, I don't have time to look around and be envious of other things because I'm so focused on love. The fourth one is love doesn't boast, brag, or strut about. There's no arrogance in love. To kind of echo what I was just saying about being love is not envious, love doesn't need credit. If you're walking around your life and you're pissed off because you didn't get the credit, love doesn't need a stage or a platform as love, true love, love that pushes the kingdom and others forward actually takes steps back and actually will remove themselves from the limelight. Um, and push people's attention to Jesus. As love knows that the glory is always God. Love always know, knows, it knows, it knows, it knows the glory is always God. I struggled with striving and longing for success very early on in my career. And I, did, and I didn't valid, uh, how do I say this? I didn't, I didn't feel validated or successful unless I was recognized. I found that because most of my gifting sets have a stage attached to it. I didn't know how to steward my gifts and show love uh, without a stage. I didn't know how to not, but you know, strut about. I didn't know how to not be arrogant because it was like, well, my gifts are attached to this. And in, in response, I didn't love well. So God pulled me away from the stage for many years. And it was there in that season of hiddenness that I learned how to love and give glory to God like a servant instead of like a Christian rock star. If you do something awesome, let God high-five you in secret. Because if you search for the high-fives from the world, then you won't be able to truly love yourself or people because your heart's going to be too filled with striving. There are too many people in your circle and in your world that need you and need you to get this. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that thinks that, oh gosh, that thinks success is attached to a stage. Success is not attached to any platform or likes or follows. It's attached to Jesus. Um, I was told, how do I say this? I was, I, was, I was told by someone that the book probably wouldn't do very well if, because I don't have a huge social media following. Which for me, I don't really care because 
social media isn't real. It's just a tool. It's a tool that God has given us in this time and in this season of our lives to be able to reach more people. But I don't sit around going, oh man, I wish I had 9,000 followers or whatever, because to be honest with you, whoever follows is who God wants to follow. And whoever's going to get this is going to get this. So that's my thought. Also, I'm not real good at it and I don't have the energy to do it. And someone said the book probably won't do well because I don't have so many followers. And then the book released and people that I love very much with massive followings tweeted about the book. And the numbers that they said I needed to have were exceeded five five times. Guys, when God wants to give you a platform and God's in charge and God's moving you forward and your and your um, filter is love, like you're not going to have to work for the things that you think you're going to have to work for. You're just going to have to surrender and God's trying to teach you that. God's trying to move you forward. God's trying to, you guys that are dealing with struggles in your job and struggles in your marriage and struggles with your relationships and your friends, like use it as an opportunity for these things that I'm telling you. Use this as an opportunity to be patient. Use this as an opportunity to be kind. Use this as an opportunity to look at someone and, and be thankful that they're winning. Be a cheerleader. Be love. The other one is love is never rude. Wait, I, where am I? Love is, isn't, what did I say? Love is never rude, crude, or indecent. It's not self-absorbed. This is going to feel a little bit like a tangent. Jeez. Uh, okay. Guys, I'm going to go over like five minutes today. So just bear with me. You guys that are like 20 minute people are going to be like, oh my God, I don't have time for this. Calm down. This is good. I have like three more of these. Also, this coffee I bought is the jam. Okay. Love is never rude. I'm going to go off on a tangent here, so bear with me. Love is always and should be a safe place for you to fail, a safe place for you to shake off the dust of failure, and a safe place to start again. But that safe place doesn't mean it's free reign for you to act like an idiot. Oh my God, I just said that out loud. That must be awkward for you. I'm going to say it again. And I say this with all the love in the world. Like if you were here right now, I would just hold you and be like, shush, shush, listen, this is real important. Um, I need you to act like Jesus. A safe place is not a place for you to not act like Jesus. It's not a place for you to treat people like poop and then be like, but you love me. You should be okay with my bad behavior. No, no, that's not what love is. That's, that's abuse. And when I think of love being a safe place, I think of when a kid is learning how to ride a bike and imagine that a dad is like running alongside them and helping them stay up. And then they let them go. And then the person like runs up beside them. And if they fall, they catch them and um, that's what a safe place is. It's not a pity party. It's not, um, Chadi, what does that have to do with anything you said? Look, let's, love is never rude, crude, or indecent. Okay. How do I say this? Oh my gosh. Love, loving people. It means you're a safe place. Safety, loving people with safety. So if you love people and you want them to be your safe place and you want to be their safe place, don't misinterpret what safe should look like. It's not an excuse for bad behavior. It's actually a person who can run alongside you and cheer you on. So if you want to be a person that is not rude, crude, indecent, or self-absorbed, then what you do is you realize you're meant to be safe places for people. It's not safe places for people to be crazy, but safe places for people to be able to be honest and then you help them along. Think of your circle, your safe places. Your, hmm, are you loving people correctly? Are you using them for, I don't know, to vent? Somebody, 
somebody put the funniest thing on my Instagram the other day. They were like, hey, I can't wait to meet you. Um, we should maybe cry in a corner together. And I like laughed, spit out my coffee. But I was like, no, um, one, that's weird. Because if, if there's one, one, more than one person in the corner crying, it's a pity party. If it's just you by yourself, then, you know, you're having a moment. And I started to think about how um, we want safe people. and We want to surround ourselves with venting. But the truth is, is like, that doesn't help anybody. If you're venting and there's no solution, then you're gossiping. And that's not love. There's no, if you don't, be a solution person. When someone comes to you to be a safe place and they're frustrated and they're venting, be a safe place. Let them say what they need to say, but you need to redirect them back to Jesus, redirect them back to God, because the truth is, is is that at the end of the day, that's what our job is. So are you doing this with your circle? Uh, Sometimes uh, I don't do this well. My husband is my best friend, and we... um, We've been together since we were 14. I'm 38. And I know he loves me, and he's seen the darkest parts of me, and he's walked me through them. And when we first got married, uh, he got the worst of me. I assumed because he loved me that I could just be the worst part of me all the time. Uh, But that's not love. That's selfishness. And love gives the best of you. Uh, So um, if you are, remember you're a safe place for people. Give people the best of you. The kindest part, the most decent part, the most generous part. Be a steward of the safe place that you are meant to be for others, but do it the right way. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense because it makes sense to me. Okay. Love isn't easily upset. This is my last one. I'm usually, um, I'm I'm pretty easily upset, guys. Um, Yeah. I tend, certain things just really trigger me. I hate the word triggered, but it felt really good right here. Um, certain things just really triggered me. And this past weekend, something really triggered me pretty bad. And I went from like zero to 10 in 0.3 seconds. And the truth is, it wasn't because I was like, what was said to me, it, it's because I wasn't using love as a filter. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest. I'm self-aware. Truth is that um, if it would have been someone close to me that said what was said, I would have been like, whatever, I don't even care. But it was because I don't know the person. And because I don't know the person, I did not have a filter of love. Not my proudest moment, but it's the truth. So if you are a person who's a hothead like me, choose love. Love always wins in the end. And most of the stupid stupidities uh, we let push us to a 12 aren't really kingdom issues anyway. So, ooh, no, I have one more of these jokers left. Okay, love doesn't tally wrongs or celebrate injustice, but truth, yes, truth, is love's delight. Love puts up with anything and everything that comes along. It trusts, hopes, and endures no matter what. I have an incredible ability to remember everything, guys. Like everything. Movies, dates, names, historical facts. Things that matter and things that absolutely don't matter. And because of this, I really struggle and sometimes still struggle with keeping a record of wrongs. It makes me not trust people. And so in my in the past, I would write people off when I felt disrespected or betrayed. Several years ago, I encountered one of the worst seasons of uh, betrayal. And it made me stop trusting people. It made me stop loving people. And it made me become a recluse and a loner even more than I already am. I talk about this in the book a bit, but the situation I found myself in, um, it it was bad. And I I, I still feel bad about it because it made me feel broken and I felt betrayed. And the truth is I allowed the wrongs to tally up in my head. And um, even as time went on, I pushed forward. Um, I still... even though like I still <laughs> came out on the good side of it all, I still, I still, I, d- I allowed it to really affect my life. And so I had to make some decisions. I had to make some decisions of like, was I going to just end up being that person or, or I wanted to be a kingdom person. So I pushed myself to start hanging out with friends and trusting again. If, look, if trust is built in the trenches, then I had to actually jump in a trench with people and it took a lot of work. 
But this podcast is a fruit of me learning how to love instead of tallying. Um, there would be no I crying corners if I'd have stayed in the rut and embraced the truth. And the truth is justice isn't the goal when dealing with people who have wronged you. Love is. So don't tally wrongs uh, or celebrate injustice. But truth. Truth is love's delight. And what is the truth? It's not my truth or your truth or whoever's truth. The truth is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So, let's hope together. Let's believe the best in people and make love a thing again. And not like the love that loves Chick-fil-A and watching The Bachelorette, which is a horrible show, by the way. It's a black hole. Don't watch it. Uh, Let's just be love. And uh, the kind of love that takes time to wait, to be safe, uh, that looks at people through the right filter, and that does it well, as Jesus will be glorified in the end. So, Yeah, let's do that. Can we be loved, please? Thanks. That's really the goal, guys, because that's an actual thing. Um, If you guys have any questions, shoot me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to see you at the Creative Church One Days this fall. And uh, there's a couple more dates on the website. Go to iCryingCorners.com. Buy the book on Amazon, Nomad, A Guide to Wilderness Seasons. And I cannot wait to meet some of you in real life. And um, thank you so much for all the support. Guys, We're going to break down the things that are a thing. It's going to be a great season. Love you, weirdos.